0: hi there and welcome to naturally recovering autism i am your host karen thomas and i want to thank you so much for being here and being a proactive parent getting the resources that you need to help your child get the absolute best results in opt- in autism recovery and that means that definition of to regain health so it's better immune system which improves healing the gut which then improves healing the, gr- the brain and improving speech and focus and ability to stay calm calm and and have more mood stabilities and all of those things are so important and i always like to tell parents and children that you know your child is not an aggressive child or an angry child it's that their brain is so toxic and inflamed that they will often not be able to control themselves and this was once the case with my own son and i was told to drug him and try behavioral therapies But I didn't want to do that. And fortunately, my holistic background and working with craniosacral therapy and studying the brain, it did let me know that the brain can and does heal. And that's a fact fast forward today based on my own research and everything i did with my son naturally to get him better and heal up his biology he is no longer today even diagnosable he no longer has any symptoms of autism and everybody's level of recovery is different but if you know the right things to do and all of them a to z because it doesn't just stop short of diet then you can get the absolute best results for your child and i have a free webinar that you can uh, you can access right now that will give you the four stages and i go through healing the gut natural heavy metal detoxification clearing the co-infections like mold and lyme and strep and then stage four brain support and repair once you get all of the inflammation and the toxins out of the way then you know who your child is i mean my my son today is the mellowest most easygoing guy and he did used to have aggressive issues when he was younger and those were all gone so this is a way to help their brain be able to function better and that's what we want to do and so that that link is available to you the registration for that is at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash free workshop no spaces there just free workshop and uh and please share that with anybody you know who might be interested as well at today's episode i'm really excited about as we're in the middle of this worldwide pandemic and there's so much stress and it's just stressful in general even I, it's, in, it's stressful at times to be a parent, period, but to be a parent of a child with autism has its additional challenges, and I always strive to support you as the parent as well as what you can do for your child today we're going to be talking about emdr which is an eye movement therapy that helps to overcome things like anxiety and stress and trauma that get locked into the system and it can be from patterns that have even accumulated from many many years back even our childhood into adulthood and it's i i have used this uh, this therapy myself gone through it and had phenomenal results and i was so blown away by it i thought i've got to reach out to an expert and have some come on the show that we can talk about this with and that you then will know how to access it for yourself whether you're doing it for yourself or family member or your child with autism and so i've got a special guest with us today her name is dr amy hopkins and she is a licensed psychologist with a doctorate in psychology Her doctoral project was entitled An Exploration of the Impact of Childhood Trauma on Adult Mental Health. Dr. Hopkins works with adults and teens and has a private practice in Newport Beach, California. She has certification in EMDR, alcoholism, and chemical dependency, and complementary and alternative medicine. Dr. Hopkins has extensive experience working with trauma, grief, depression, anxiety, addiction, Addiction, parenting, and interpersonal relationships. And she's facilitated groups and workshops on parenting, anger and anxiety, trauma, addiction intimate partner violence, healthy relationships, and job placement skills, and has presented on EMDR therapy and ADHD. Prior to opening her private practice, Dr. Hopkins was a director of a substance use disorder program and director of a community counseling program. She served as director of clinical training for post-secondary PSYD, the PSYD program, Her website is amyhopkinspsyd.com. And of course, all show notes will be for you at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 85 because this is episode number 85 so just the numbers 85 and uh, so if you're driving or you're on your morning walk and you we you know throw out some links at you today remember you can go to the show notes and pick everything up uh, there including uh, Dr. Hopkins contact information and so Dr. Hopkins thank you so much for being here with us today I greatly appreciate your time
1: thank you so much for having me I appreciate it
0: And so why don't we start right away with, you know, what is EMDR? Because I I know that, you know, it it might be something brand new or or some people might be hearing about it for the first time. So maybe just start at the ground level with a little bit of background on it.
1: Um, Yes, Um, EMDR stands for eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. Quite a mouthful, so you know why we just refer to it as EMDR. Um, It has been around since the late 1980s. It was developed by Dr. Francine Shapiro, um, and it was developed actually to originally to treat PTSD, and it can be used um, with adults, children, and adolescents. It since has been used for a number of any kind of disturbing issues, essentially. obviously can be PTSD, but there's a lot of things that are very um, bothersome, very feel very emotionally charged to people that don't necessarily qualify for PTSD. And what they found um, after doing this same method, the EMDR, with people that had like anxiety, um, uh, some kind of trauma that we would refer to more as like a a small p versus one that qualifies to be full-blown PTSD, that it actually works for them as well um, so um, the effectiveness of EMDRs has been proven with lots of different studies just to sort of background there in one study um, after treating uh, the individuals in the study with simple post-traumatic stress disorder, eighty percent of the patients felt significantly relieved. so that's a really really good statistic and um, Another thing that's really just kind of an interesting thing about EMDR, uh, well, let me back start. you mentioned about, it seems like some people are talking about it more today, feeling like it's a new therapy, and I think that is the case for a lot of individuals because it's becoming more well-known, but as I mentioned, it's been around since the late 80s, so what's happened since then, though, is again, we've discovered that we can use it to treat a number of different issues. And the other thing is there's been, like, kind of some tweaks to it, meaning you can use the basic. We have a basic protocol, which I'll I'll talk about um, in a little while. Um, But you also can use some other things to help people that maybe need something a little bit more added to it. Um, So there's kind of just more in terms of I would say it's actually more effective now because of that. Um, Something about EMDR, even though it's, it's obviously got its own title, like a lot of different, you know, therapeutic techniques, There's other things that you use underneath EMDR, meaning other techniques. So uh, kind of you've got the EMDR piece, that's the title of it, but you're using things like cognitive behavioral therapy, you're using psychodynamic therapy, you're using solution-focused therapy, and you're using neurobiology as part of the process which is something I like about it. And one of the reasons why I also think it's very effective, we're using, you know, so many different modalities and that way you can make sure it makes sense for people kind of focus on what's the best thing for them. The other thing about EMDR is that's really important is the kind of the, I would say that the premise of it basically is that, um, the brain has, you know, it's, that natural ability, self-healing powers, essentially, right? Um, and so it's saying we can do that, and this is a therapy that we can use the self-healing powers of the brain to process stressful memories and help us feel a little bit um, more you know more relief essentially, instead of feeling
0: distress. right. So we and what I notice is like we'll have the same type of like, You'll, you'll think about something but you won't have the emotional charge behind it it's just sort of there so the system doesn't react to it in the same way it used to and and that's what I think is so beneficial let's dive into some specifics when we come back from this short break you're listening to naturally recovering autism please stay with us we will be right back hi there and welcome back to naturally recovering autism i'm your host karen thomas and today we are talking with dr amy hopkins about emdr which is an eye movement therapy that helps to overcome things like anxiety and stress and trauma that gets locked in the system and we talked a little bit about how you can kind of work with this therapy and then you might have an issue from your past that is triggering current issues and as you clear that out of the system you're able to, to then maybe even have something that reminds you of that episode but now it's not emotionally charged and so dr hopkins maybe you can give us a little bit more on you know how how does emdr work how does this you know what's going on
1: yeah. So first, with EMDR, um, you kind of kind of touched on it a little bit. We are releasing emotional experiences that are trapped in the nervous system, which allows our brains to then process that information. And so, to kind of just talk about that a little bit, when I say emotional experiences that are trapped in the nervous system, what happens is when we experience something that is stressful, uh, you know, we some of us process it and you may not process it right away it takes a certain amount of time to process but there are a number of times that we don't actually process the stressful experience
0: and then it gets
1: stuck in our brain and it just kind of stays there so if something happens to you and it can be it could be when you're an adult but often it can even be as a child something might happen um, Even if it's just in the classroom, a comment a teacher made to you and made you feel like, you know, there was something wrong with you and might not even have been the intent of the teacher, but that's just how it came across. And that's how you perceived it. You just didn't, it bothered you. You didn't ever process it because it was just so bothersome and it sticks in your brain. And then five years later something happens and kind of that same type of message is what you hear. There's something wrong with me. And then that sticks in your brain. And if you don't process it, you just all it just keeps getting stuck in your brain and you start believing these types of negative things about yourself. And it's just stuck there. You never process to the actual incident to realize there could have been a lot more involved, it didn't mean there's something wrong with you. You know all the different factors that were going on, and so it gets stuck. Now that would be kind of more of when we talk about like a maybe something that's a little bit more minor. Then we have huge, major traumatic events that happen, um, such as abuse, and people, you know, they they have to basically call it dissociate, um, just kind of check out when things are happening to them that are so traumatic and they don't process what's going on. And it just gets stuck, again, just stuck in your brain. You never process it. And so it's it's stuck there and it continues to stay there until you work on trying to heal it and processing the horrible event that happened to you. Um, and so that's kind of the way things can get stuck. I said, it could be something very major, we call like uh, big T, big traumas, or it could be a, a little T, more of a smaller trauma. And examples of things that we have going on, as you mentioned, with the pandemic, there is, uh, that's creating a lot of trauma. For some people, it's making it so extreme that it's actually getting to the point where it can become PTSD, or it has for some. And for others, maybe not quite that, in terms of being diagnosable, but it's just, again, very, very disturbing um also of course we have what we're dealing with what happened with george floyd and all the protests and everything coming up there for people okay so uh, another thing that can be creating so much stress you mentioning with parenting parenting there's so much stuff that can come up there because your own stuff from your childhood that maybe maybe you didn't have a secure attachment for example and there is stuff that's stuck in your brain And you never processed it could be coming out later with your own children and then when you add if there's the extra component as you had mentioned of course the child with autism now there's some um, extra work that you have to do to make sure that you know with everything that's involved and as I love what you have on all of your stuff with your website and everything is, um, the, the naturally, you know, the natural healing process and everything you have, people need to spend more time, right? If you've got a child in that situation, same thing with ADHD. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that can come up for someone anytime you're dealing with anything in life that can create stress, right? So the stuff comes up, like I said, and then if we process it, you know, and work through it, then it usually isn't going to be stuck in your brain. But if we don't, it's stuck there and it becomes like a frozen memory. And there's, you know, some frozen memories that are so great, they feel so emotionally charged that it could be something that happened 15 years ago. And if there's something now, 15 years later, that triggers it, it's as if it's happening right now. And bring all those feelings because it's stuck there. So that's just to kind of get a little history of, of, you know, like the premise of EMDR to explain now the actual process. Which the process, the eye movement part um, of the of the uh, acronym there is eye movements. What we do is it's, it's, um, we use what's called bilateral stimulation. So um, the the first thing and this used very frequently is we use eye movements. Um, to activate your problem solving process. And so your eyes are darting back and forth. Okay. So you watch the, the client would watch the therapist's, um, hands go back and forth, um, left to right, and their eyes kind of dart back and forth. And that's the bilateral stimulation. Um, another thing you can use bilateral stimulation in other ways because some people, the eye movements bother them. So you can use tappers or something else. Um, so it's not just like you have to use, I mean, it's some type of bilateral stimulation. And yeah, you noticed doing that-, that, you are going, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead
0: no go ahead and actually i'm we i'm sorry we have to cut for a quick break here too Um, but i was just saying i noticed that you're saying hands can be used which is great because you go left right obviously you're crossing over the hemispheres of the brain and then um, there was a light stimulation uh, piece that went from right to left that um, the therapist that i saw was using so i guess anything that crosses that that those hemispheres make sure eyes go from left to right um, sounds like it will will have the same same type of patterning is that correct
1: uh, yes it is you can do that and then if it's not your eyes you can hold like tappers they're like little buzzers in your hand and it goes back forth to the left to the right or you can wear headphones and it goes you know buzzes left right to your left ear right ear so it can be auditory or tactile if the eyes bother someone because they can sometimes people have migraine headaches or there could be a medical mm. issue so they need to use other modality other methods of doing it
0: Right. So we can figure out what works best for more individualized approach. Okay. Let's talk about that. Maybe when we come back, um, we're going to take a short break right here. You're listening to naturally recovering autism. Stay with us. We will be right back.
2: Have you ever wondered why some children recover from their symptoms of autism while others never seem to get any better? After 13 years of research, Karen Thomas has recovered her own son from his symptoms of autism naturally. She now shares how she did it with you in her free webinar so that you can have the right resources and knowledge to help your child. The definition of recovery is to regain health. Karen offers this to you in four stages. Healing the gut, natural heavy metal detoxification, balancing the co-infections of autism, brain support, and repair. Register now for this free webinar to help you know what you can do to help your child to sleep better, be more calm, improve focus, and reach their fullest potential to live a happy, healthy life. Go to naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash Free workshop, empowering parents with the resources to naturally recover autism from a mom who's done it
0: hi there and welcome back to naturally recovering autism i am your host karen thomas thank you so much for being here today Uh, today we are talking with dr amy hopkins uh, with emdr which is an an eye movement therapy that's really helpful for overcoming anxiety stress and trauma and it's a very gentle type of therapy and uh, we're explaining a little bit about how it works so dr hopkins can you kind of uh, elaborate a little bit further to help uh, give our, our listeners a little bit more understanding of how it works and, and even how it can be somewhat individualized a little bit too depending on what somebody has going on
1: absolutely so we were talking about um, the bilateral stimulation piece and that um, it can be done in different ways the, it can be done with, with eye movements, where you would actually watch the, the client would watch the therapist's uh, fingers going back and forth um, and the other things, uh, as I mentioned, you can use like tappers, which kind of activates with your fingers, each side or with your ears. You can wear headsets. So it's important that people realize there are more than, there's more than one way to use it. So if you have problems with your eyes, that doesn't mean that you can't do EMDR. Um, and what's happening during this bilateral stimulation is it's what actually occurs during REM sleep when your eyes are darting back and forth. And again, it doesn't just have to be eyes, though. It can be the same process if you're just holding, like I said, like kind of buzzers that go back and forth, left to right. And what happens is that um, your brain is it's processing so much during that time. And so what we do is we kind of we look at a specific problem and we identify negative emotions and positive emotions, different sensations that people have, kind of an, an image of it. We then use the bilateral stimulation while you're um, then thinking about that, and the brain begins to problem solve during that time. So it it seems to be what it's doing again, mimicking what would happen during REM sleep, and people are able to process and relieve a lot of the disturbance. Sometimes get it to where it's just not disturbing at all anymore, and sometimes it's just maybe slightly disturbing, but at one point was like the most disturbing it could possibly be. So that's kind of just a little bit, again, about sort of how the, the bilateral stimulation works um, and understanding why it's why it's being used.
0: And and it's also looking at you know is this a good choice for everyone and and you know the type of um, you know therapy how much therapy you'll need things like that like is this something that i know as a child with autism if they have issues with um visual issues they could maybe put on the headphones you're saying too or or for the parents of course depending on what the the level of trauma is what's going on um anybody could use it for for pretty much anything that's going on is that right
1: Absolutely. And for like, in terms of the bilateral stimulation piece, exactly headphones can be used. And for children that are really young, like someone that's even four or five, there's kids, you know, that can experience a lot of trauma at, at, at that young of an age and to help them process it, even when they're that young, you can use, whether it be, it could be the headphones or so the said, they call them the tappers, but you're, you're holding them in your hand. Um, and goes back and forth left to right on your fingers or with someone that young sometimes you can even put them like if they have tennis shoes you put them inside their shoes so it's their ankles you know whatever's going to be the most comfortable for them and each person is different for children they tend to want to hold their hold um again hold like the tappers or put the headset on and i think with autism i would think the headset would be very effective whereas for adults sometimes they prefer the eyes Sometimes they prefer to hold, um, you know, the tappers just because then they can close their eyes while they're doing the process.
0: And I found they they kind of want you to start from like infancy, you know, where you think of yourself as an infant you kind of go through this process that just naturally seems to to start bypassing as you're doing the therapy and you as you get sort of older and older in the sense to your current age, like you might you don't have to specifically know what your trauma is some people do and it's very obvious to them and they grew up with a lot of trauma and they know what the problem is but some people might not like a child with autism might not be obviously consciously aware of some things but uh or a child but they um but they still can just go through this bilateral um motion and is it that it it's triggering things in the hemispheres of the brain that will somehow just naturally take you into your emotional centers
1: yes it absolutely does um in fact you you sit um for the therapist to the clients that you, you sit like left to left is kind of the arrangement so that you activate the right side of the brain so it's very it's interesting um and that's exactly right you're trying to activate the emotional like a lot of times people will say something's bothering them right and um to your point, they don't know exactly what it is, because it, it isn't necessarily something that's identifiable, like, they're, they're just, they've got this issue, they've got, like, they could be, again, adult. they're married, they're having problems in their marriage, and they don't understand why, they're getting angry real easily, they're getting triggered about things, and they don't know why, right? Um, so they'll come in and say, well, logically, I know this shouldn't bother me, right? They're like, I know it shouldn't. And so basically, you know, intellectually, they realize this, but they, there's something happening emotionally with them that they're not aware of. So through the bilateral stimulation, we're tapping into that area as well. And I, also as part of it, you do a body scan, kind of to see, like someone will say, you know, their stomach has been hurting them and they're, they're, something's bothering them, but they don't even really know what it is. There's a lot of things we can look at to try to figure out what's going on um, without someone having to know exactly what it is that they're coming in for, the exact reason.
0: Right, which I think is really helpful because there are some people who, like you're saying, will will say, I, the, I keep getting triggered or I keep getting angry and, at my spouse, but I don't understand really why i'm getting so angry about it so it's nice that you don't really have to know the issue if you if you're not aware of it we're going to take a short break right here you are listening to naturally recovering autism please stay with us we will be right back hi there and welcome back to naturally recovering autism i'm your host karen thomas and today we have dr amy hopkins with us talking about emdr or a type of eye movement Uh, or actually not necessarily needing to be eye movement but a a right left brain sort of hemisphere therapy that helps to overcome and relieve anxiety and stress and trauma and old issues that we have locked in our system that can affect our conscious behavior um, even because the subconscious does rule so much of what we do so dr hopkins um, why don't we talk about maybe a few more of the issues that you have found uh, emdr therapy to be really helpful with Um, And, uh, yeah, just give us a little bit more background on that.
2: Yeah,
1: absolutely. So, of course, we already mentioned PTSD. um, And then uh, also just the effects of just any kind of stressful life experience. Um, So that's another thing, life transitions, any kind of life experience that creates stress. uh, EMDR can be used to help kind of relieve the the negative symptoms there. Uh, Also, like strong grief after a loss. Um, you know, it could be it's not necessarily losing a loved one to death. It could be a divorce or separation as well and what comes up there. Um, and um, the uh, other things can be developmental and behavioral disorders in children. So, uh, of course, there's, you know, with ADHD um, definitely can be something that can be used with autism as well. Um, can be used with depression, uh, anxiety, panic disorders, uh, anger. Can be used with chronic pain for people. Uh, I mentioned just very briefly that you do a body scan. Sometimes people have chronic pain that is really the the roots of it are more psychological. And you know, our again, our body and our mind are so connected. So it can be very helpful there. Very very helpful with addiction. Um, you know, there's there's it can be substance related or a process addiction. Also sleep problems. People have sleep problems, and this can be helpful relationship issues you know lots of times people will come in and it has to do with a relationship issue that's bothering them and then we dig deeper um, and we use EMDR to help uh, get beyond that uh, people just with low self-esteem so you know you might have some low level of depression but it's not full-blown depression and just kind of and even trust issues which would be kind of part of the relationship issues that can come up for people as well and, and EMDR can be helpful So those are kind of just a a lot of, you know, a lot, so so basically almost everything um, EMDR can be helpful it seems in in one way or another. I I haven't found, I haven't found it not to be beneficial for people.
0: How many sessions do you find that people usually need with EMDR?
1: you know, it really depends upon what you're coming in for. And I, you know, I get people that ask me that a lot when they contact me to come in for a session. And they, you know, there's things out there that say, oh, you can get relief in like six sessions or you know, you say even four sessions. Um, I, it depends. And, and the reason it depends is because if someone comes in, they might have one thing bothering them. And as you're exploring it, There's a lot of things they never worked on that are still from childhood, a lot of traumatic things that we need to make sure that we process all um, of these kind of events that happen to them. And so it can take a little bit longer, depends upon what's going on. If someone comes in and they've got like more of a, they just got in a car accident and it triggered, you know, a lot of fears, but there really isn't anything else earlier than that then you can do things more quickly but to kind of give an idea with therapy i defer, I, I can't see you know it would be very rare that it would be less than six sessions and i say that because there's eight phases with emdr and so um, the first phase with anyone is coming in and you do you know an assessment and intake so you're just gathering the person's history and you're you're talking, you know, with each other to find out what's going on with them, what they're coming in for, to kind of get a feel for it. Make sure that EMDR makes sense for them. I mean, it has to make sense, of course. And you would also talk about the things, like if there are any medical issues that would get in the way of using the eye movements and if you want to use alternatives, you know, all those types of things. And you also kind of talk a little bit about sort of what, um, history and kind of the treatment planning again what they're looking to accomplish what's the problem that's going on and you dive into that deeper and then the second phase um is a um it's called uh, the technical terms client preparation but really we call it a lot of um it's kind of stabilization resourcing for people and that's where you use i would say you use a lot of mindfulness there and we work with clients to um make sure that they've got a lot of things put in place that if they get triggered that they can help themselves to kind of to, to calm down if need be um, at this point you would use certain things we use like to kind of ways of developing a calm peaceful place in your own mind um, and just all kinds of different like, kind of um, helping with like resources that people can have to help if they get triggered That's the that in itself can be one session for some people it can be three sessions for others depending upon you know how how deep um, the uh, the issue goes, right? So that's so it just depends on the person. Then the in the the third phase, it's called assessment. You're really digging deeply into what the issue is. They like they come up with an issue, and you want to really find out from them what's coming up for them around that issue. Is it a um, you know? Is it they have to visualize it? Is it something related to um, negative core beliefs around something that has to do with control, for example. Or it could be something around guilt. So some people might have, like, feelings of I'm helpless or I'm trapped. And so you identify those things, um, different kinds of the negative beliefs that's coming up for them. And then you identify what the emotions are they're feeling. Um, you then also identify what would be a positive mm-hmm. belief that they would like to have what we call an adaptive belief in lieu of that negative one. So instead of feeling like, um, you know, I'm, uh, I'm not good enough, you know, it can be that I did the best I could, or I am good enough. You know, you come up with, with something else there. And so you kind of, you, you basically put together where they're at and measure kind of their level of disturbance and measure where they're at on what we would call the adaptive belief. And then you do the what's called desensitization and that would be where you actually do the bilateral stimulation that's that portion and then and during that time you're having them uh, think about the disturbing event and their negative belief about it and then you're bringing you're working with them to try to bring that disturbance down and then once it's at a place where it should be or it's comfortable for them you then work on what's called installation, which is um, installing the positive belief. And then the next thing you do is, is a body scan. So you scan, have them scan the body to see how their body's feeling, make sure it's more neutral. Um, in the beginning, you usually do a body scan to find out where they're at. And often, like I said, people might have it their shoulders, their neck, their gut. So you wanna make sure that they're feeling uh, nice, you know, more just neutral or more at peace. And then you in close, called closure, you close out with talking about briefly from what you just did and then kind of reminding them of all the different resourcing techniques that you worked on. And then the last phase is reevaluation, which you would do during the next session, kind of see what transpired for them over that
0: week great so you let them they basically kind of go home and let you give them a little bit of time to process and then you could pick up better uh when you come back the next week um yeah that's very very interesting um we're actually going to take a very short break right here you're listening to naturally recovering autism stay with us we'll be right back hi there and welcome back to naturally recovering autism i am your host karen thomas today we have dr amy hopkins with us we're talking about emdr as eye movement therapy for overcoming anxiety and stress and past traumas uh, and even current traumas that we're, we're working with in our life and some of these get really instilled in our subconscious and we want to really be able to clear those so that we can uh, basically, respond to things rather than react from a level that we're not in control of. And so, you know, as parents of children with autism, too, our kids will really pick up any of our own when we're worried or fearful or feeling a lot of stress or anxiety ourselves. The kids are picking up on that, and so it makes them fearful. Like if mom and dad are having anxiety, I see this around picky eating and around food a lot, um, because parents have got and so stressed at mealtime uh so um and the kid sees that and then they're thinking well mom's upset about something every time i go to eat so <laughs> then i probably it creates some some anxiety within the child so uh, dr hopkins i'm just wondering if you could give us some examples of how it could be used um uh, emdr in in some of these situations or if you could relate it to anything um that parents might you know be able to directly think uh, see a relationship with
1: yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, of course, there's a lot of parents out there. So things can come up like they can come in and say they're having conflicts with their child or their teenager, and that um, it's creating like arguments even between the two of them, and the parents feeling like they're losing their cool, right? They're um, all those kinds of things, and they want to figure out what's going on and how to handle it more effectively, and just, again, figure out why it's triggering them. So, of course, as I already mentioned, they come in and we're gonna, we're gonna do your standard intake assessment, and then we would talk about EMDR. Um, and then, what we do is we start with, what's the issue that's bothering you? So, they would bring up, and it might be, what's really happening right then, again, arguments with their child, they're feeling like they're, you know, not handling it the best way, um, and, and then we would explore other times, not just that example, other times that are going on right now, presently, that that is coming up for you. Um, I would go really deep into kind of all the different you know, like emotions that are coming up um, around that for the person, like what's coming when they're talking about the, the arguments, and you know what's kind it's disturbing to them because it makes them feel. Uh, sad it makes them feel guilty it makes them feel anxious or makes them feel angry whatever kind of all the different emotions are and then we use that to figure out what negative beliefs the person feels about themselves so that they may have a belief of um, it could be several things but one could be I'm inadequate like I I can't believe I'm losing my cool with my child You know, I'm an adult. I shouldn't be doing that. There's, you know, so there's just something wrong with me. I'm not a good mother. I'm, you know, I'm inadequate or could be I'm not good enough, right? And so we explore that, understanding what, again, that negative belief is that's coming up for them. And then I will have the person give me examples of other times in their life, um, in the present as well as in the past. Uh, that that same negative belief if it's I'm inadequate like when they felt that way before and I have someone go back as far as they can in in their memory of course for some people depending on what we're working on they can go back maybe pretty far some they can only remember to like seven or eight but they may kind of have just a feeling of something before that so we'll talk about that and then we talk about times in the future that they're concerned that it might come up again So that's kind of when we put together like a treatment plan. That's what it looks like. And then we decide which one of those issues we're going to work on first. So if we work on like a current argument that just happened between, say, the mother and the child, we're going to um, address essentially what the the negative belief, we're going to have that there, and um, like I said, and the emotions that come up. And then I'm going to say, what do you, instead of like believing I'm inadequate, what do you want to believe about yourself instead? And it's what, whatever comes up, we, address, we talk about different things. An example would be, I'm okay as I am, or I'm doing, you know, I've done the best I can, or I'm doing the best I can, that kind of thing. And, um, and so we have that, that's kind of, again, that adaptive belief. And then I will ask someone to scan their body because again, you know, we have such a closeness with our children, right? So if there is an, you know, tension going on or you feel like you're not being a good enough mother, for example, or father, um, often you're going to feel it in your body, right? So you have the tension. So we kind of, we measure that. And then what we do is we are now going to do the bilateral stimulation. And I'm going to have the person think about the the memory, kind of that mental image in their mind. Think about the you know that argument they just had with their child. Think about that belief of I'm inadequate. And then we, in where they feel it in their body. And then we will do the bilateral stimulation. And they'll let me know what's coming up for them. Um, at the end, after we're done, I'll ask them what's coming up for them when they think about it. And. Um, as we explore that, what we're doing is we're processing. Um, so we're getting information that way, but we're also allowing the brain to process and heal and understand, wait a minute, maybe, you know, I, I'm not inadequate, you know, and kind of the things that contradict that essentially to help move your brain over to the adaptive belief. And as we get to that point, then once it feels like that is not so disturbing anymore, that actual... Um, incident itself, then that's when we go and do the, okay, let's now, I want you to think about the, you know, the, their adaptive belief, you know, I'm, I'm okay as I am, or, you know, whichever one they came up with. And then we use bilateral stimulation for that. And you tell us that a good place, and then we would do a body scan. um, And then again, bilateral stimulation there as well. Also just real quickly with, there are, with, with EMDR, there's three different ways of doing it. Um, a real basic way, uh, kind of start off the first time to see how someone responds to it. And the other two, one is it's called contained, and that's where, as you're doing the bilateral stimulation, you will specifically keep under that just that incident that they that we're talking about. But the third one we do we call it unrestricted, and what we do there is we start with one incident. And then we just let people do free association with whatever comes up so we can open it up. And even if we start with present, we can go back um, into the past in that same uh, actual session.
0: Yeah, I noticed that was really interesting to just see um, whatever comes up and as you kind of you maybe even start feeling something and then as you start moving through it it just sort of filters away and you just kind of so quickly could move on to 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 something else and almost forget that that was there before it was it's very interesting um we need to take a short break right here please stay with us we will be right back hi there and welcome back to naturally recovering autism I am your host Karen Thomas and today we are talking with Dr. Amy Hopkins about EMDR which is an eye movement therapy although we did mention it doesn't have to be eye movement um, because again children with autism that might be uh, that might cause overstimulation with their sensory issues so you can use uh, headphones or things that they hold in their hands um, various options but we're able to clear Clear away uh, old beliefs. And one thing that's really important too uh, for children when you're going to go see a therapist who does EMDR, um, and Dr. Hopkins, I'll let you kind of clarify this a little bit better, but you want to make sure that you have an EMDR. approved clinician one that has taken the approved course and um, and that actually has the proper training and I will link to uh, the EMDR site in the show notes today so you can find a practitioner near you and again the show notes will be at naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 85 so you can find uh, all the links there but but I know how important this is just in general and it very much is so with EMDR that when you not when you find a therapist you not only find a therapist who who does EMDR but they also work with children and if you can find one who is uh you know versed in working with children with autism or knows how to work with them because they're you know more sensitive than even better but at least somebody who works with with children in general and is aware of those you know sensitive needs that can can be can accompany even further than working with an adult so adult Dr. Hopkins, do you have anything further to add around those things I just mentioned?
1: Um, No, I just think that, well, actually, I was going to say one more thing just would be that with um, using EMGR with autism, there is kind of different types of protocols that you would follow or kind of, again, just sort of, oh, tweak a little bit. So that's one of the reasons why it's important. Uh, because of the specific needs for someone with autism why it's important that the person is again not only you know has a certificate and has gone through the proper training to do EMDR but understands how to use EMDR with autism and understands how to work with children
0: yeah it is um I found in my practice with cranial work I mean it it, I would tell parents that uh like a a session with an adult would be 90 minutes and i would tell them before they came uh, i have to mark off extra time because i don't know how long your child will take you know will accept work but you always want to go to the comfort level of the child because you want them to feel comfortable in that environment you don't want to trigger a st- stress response to that environment and you want them to be willing and and even you know want to come back and so you know there were some kids that maybe i could only work seven or eight minutes on and others i could work 20 or 30 minutes on and some could almost go an hour and it just depended but you really have to have somebody who is paying attention to the needs of the child and I think this is the case in any therapy whether it's speech therapy occupational ABA anything you don't want to force a child past their level of comfort in in anything because um, again you want them to feel that they're safe when doing it so um that's really important to to be aware of and you as a parent use your gut instincts um, interview therapists make sure you feel comfortable with this particular person you feel they're the right fit for your child Um, you are your parent your child's best advocate so remember that too dr hopkins thank you so much for being here with us today i will also link to dr Dr. hopkins uh, website on the show notes page again which is naturallyrecoveringautism.com forward slash 85 and uh, yeah we greatly appreciate your time and your expertise and for being here with us today so thank you very much
1: oh thank you so much for having me
0: and that is it for time today so thank you everyone for being here and listening in and uh, hopefully this this was really really helpful for you especially now during this pandemic and something you can utilize in the future for yourself and your child and um, please share this with anybody you know share the link to this show with anybody who could be interested in as well have a great week a safe week and we will see you next time